I want to take a read passage of scripture from Luke chapter uh, 2, starting at verse 8. And there were shepherds living in a field but there nearby, keeping watch over a flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. The angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good tidings, good news of great joy, which will be for all people. I thought about that right there, just take a pause. It's for all people. That's the good news. The good news, and it should produce a great joy within our hearts. And I think we have we have to contemplate that. If that doesn't produce a great joy in our hearts, we have, have to ask ourselves a simple question. Do I truly understand and appreciate the joy of the divine moment in history? Because the message is joy to everyone, all people, regardless of race, language, education, status of society, rich, poor, free, or even in prison. And I thank God for his goodness. I thank God that he didn't just elect select few. He didn't simply go to those who were of a certain group of individuals or on the right side of the tracks. But he came to all those who would call out his name with that great news. Verse 11 continues, Today, he said, in the town of David, a Savior will be born unto you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men who his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to the heavens, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed that the shepherds said to them, But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I get this picture from reading this passage of Scripture that all of heaven seemed to be leaning over the canopy that separates heaven, eternity, and from the rest of the earth. And suddenly the multitude, seeing what's happening and seeing what God is about to do, understanding that incredible journey that he had just taken and just made to come to earth, to get to you and me. It's almost as if they couldn't contain it any longer and they just burst through that canopy and they begin to cry out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. You have to ask yourself the question, what in the world were they singing about? Well, there was a sign given for all those who would hear, all those that would see. Verse 12 says, there was in fact a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger that God chose, he chose a baby. Wrapped in stripes or strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Wow. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Behold, beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in the body and vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. Paul said that he said it's a, a, a the mystery of godliness that God would appear in a body. Scripture tells us that the first ones that the angels approached were the, were the shepherds. They were living out in the field. They were keeping watch over the flock by night. It's interesting because all of our Christmas programs and productions, we always have these shepherds, you know, and they're they're standing very majestically, they're looking up into heaven where they've got these fine clothes, you know, and, and their sheep off in the distance, and they're kind of casually out in the field, and they're munching away in grass. And by the way, sheep don't eat at night, and they're afraid. 
Well, shepherds, well, themselves, it's not a really noble profession. In fact, if you found yourself to be a shepherd, it meant that you didn't have what it takes to get a real job. And so therefore, they were out there in the field. I noticed something else, too, about this. Um, So there's a bunch of guys in a field, gathered around, doing something they really don't want to do. It's cold. They have a campfire. They're sitting around this campfire. The sheep are very close to them because they're afraid of the dark. And I started thinking, what do you think these guys are thinking? What, is it, what, are, they, what are they thinking about? What, what, are they, what are they talking about? Now remember, they're guys and they're around a campfire. Maybe they're talking about the job and how they really hate this job and they wish they could find something else. Maybe they're talking about family members. I don't know. Maybe they're talking about taxes. And certainly they were being told that they had to leave where they were, go back to their towns and cities, and for us, well, to, to be counted so they could give more of the little that they were making in taxes and don't even mention the highway tolls that they were going to have to deal with. And I'm sure they're also talking about the oppression of the Roman Empire and how they were marginalized as individuals and how they ridiculed for their profession and also their culture. And remember, these are a bunch of guys sitting around a campfire, and I can just imagine what they were talking about. They were the night shift. And that's the beauty of it all. God chose to make this event, the greatest event in all of history, known. He made it known to them first. That's amazing. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. He said this, But God, now this is, chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the things which are despised, rejected. He chose me and you, not because of our strength, but because of our weakness. Verse 9 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, a messenger of the Lord stands before them, and the glory of the Lord shines shines all around them, and they were afraid, greatly afraid, terrified. I don't think they knew much about theology at the time, but they do know one thing, that even the reflection of God could kill you if you had sin in your life. They knew what everybody knew in Israel, what everybody knew in the Old Testament. They knew if an angel of the Lord appeared, something was going to die. So they wondered who it would be. And they're terrified. They're afraid. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good, night, good news, good tidings, a great joy for all people. For born today, 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 born today, the city of David, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And it says, You're going to find the sign. It's going to be a babe wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And there it is. The sign to all of us. You will find the babe in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You will find God coming as a baby. The one who carried the universe in the palms of his hand, the one who gives life and breath to all, came to this earth, this world, in a form. In a form which we had to be, he would have to be carried, and he would have to learn how to speak. He came as the weakest human form, such as a baby. Babies can't walk, they can't talk, they can't feed themselves, they can't change themselves. Think about it. God could have, Jesus could have come as a 15-foot angel. He could have, he could have come fully matured at the age of 30. He could have come in a flaming chariot, but he chose to come as a baby in the lowest and the weakest form of humanity, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, wrapped in strips of rag. 
God Almighty, he took and shed his royal robes of righteousness. Royal robes of righteousness, the Bible says, it literally fills the temple. And he allowed himself to come down in the weakest form of humanity and wrap, be wrapped in strips of cloth. God is, he chose. He chose to wrap himself in the rags of our weakness, in the rags of our failure, in the rags of our sin, in the rags of our struggle. He chose. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you yourselves are temp God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? God of the universe. He wraps himself in you. And if that doesn't cause you to shout glory, hallelujah, hosanna to the highest, then you got to think maybe, just maybe, I don't understand, truly don't understand the greatness of our God and what he has done and what he has provided. We find him in all places lying in a manger. He's not in Marriott. He's in a manger. In a stall. A stable. A barn. Have you ever been to a barn? The Berlin Fair has that area where all the cows are. My wife won't go in there. You know why? Because it stinks. Well, if you've ever been in a barn, you know exactly what's going on there. You've got, uh, you got manure on the floor. They're not real clean. You know, we've got all these sanitary items up here on the, on the, on the altar here in the platform. I started thinking, I was putting this together. You know, what if we really had a donkey, a live donkey, come to the service and, and some sheep? People do that. And I started, oh, no, because I'd be sitting on front pew going, don't do your business, don't do your business. <laughs> wow. Well, they did their business in the stable, and it smelled like ammonia, and it stinks. In fact, it stinks so bad, the smell is so bad, that if you're in that presence for any length of time, it'll get on your clothes. You'll come home and go, where, where are you? Oh, it was the cows. And the shepherds. And so there's Jesus. He's born. He's born in the weakest of humanity, wraps himself in the rags of our failure. He's born in the place where it just couldn't get any worse. It's cold, it stinks, it's not sanitary. And there's the message. That's the message. Message of Christmas. The message of the manger. The message of the manger is simply, there's nowhere you can go that God, God won't go. Amen. To the shepherds, the angel said, this is a sign. But somehow they missed God's sign. And we know that the Jews were looking for the Messiah. We know the Herod's scribes knew in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, they knew that Christ had been predicted, that he would be born in Bethlehem, but they didn't recognize. Why couldn't they recognize when he came? It's because they couldn't see the divine and the ordinary, and they missed him altogether. See, they wanted something spectacular. They wanted a, a, a political messiah. That's what they wanted. One who would deliver them from the Roman dominion. The Jews wanted a sign, but they never expected a baby in a manger. But God did give them a sign, and they missed it. It was too simple for them. It's too simple for us today, for many. And they missed the sign. And you say, why? Because it's only by the eye of faith that the majesty of Christ is seen. Scripture tells us without faith it's impossible to see God. 
Without faith, it's impossible to know who he is and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek. Without faith, it's impossible to understand the things of God. You can watch a thousand Christmas pageants and never be converted because the unsafe heart is blind and cannot see, cannot see the gospel, the good news. You know, it's interesting today in which we live, there's an awful lot of discussion about the need for a religious dialogue. Usually it's offered up by liberals and by the mainstream religious types, basically they're the same category. And I think this dialogue that they're offering up is simply an alternative to evangelism. Instead of preaching Christ and calling sinners to repentance, we now have to dialogue about our religious differences. And I have no problem with open dialogue. I love to find out what people are thinking, just to listen to where they're coming from and discuss that. But I think this dialogue is really a smokescreen. See, when you dialogue something, you end up talking about everything except what really matters. It's kind of like the, the man who goes to a, a formal banquet. He enters the room, and he's shocked to see this enormous elephant in the middle of the room. And it's not just a picture of an elephant or a stuffed elephant. It's a real, live elephant. He's moving around. He's breathing. He's, he's knocking things over, and, and he's just creating all kinds of havoc. And so the man goes to the head of the table, and he says to the host, What's the elephant doing in the room? And the host says, what are you talking about? The man says, what are you talking about? Are you serious? There's an elephant. He says, I'm sorry, I don't see an elephant. I don't know what you're talking about. And so this man goes one by one to others down the line saying, what's up with the elephant? And they all say the same thing. We don't see an elephant. Could he be the only person in the room that, that sees the elephant? And finally he comes to a man who actually does see the elephant. And he says to him, when you see the elephant as I do, then why, why, why the elephant? Why is he here? Why doesn't anyone see it? And they all, oh, they see it, but we don't talk about the elephant. It's too divisive. Some people say there's an elephant. Some people say there isn't. And so we decided that we'd just stay away from the subject. And so the banquet begins, and they spend three hours talking about meals and the service and the lovely tableware. And no one mentions the elephant. And I started thinking, you know, that illustration is all about today's religious discussion. We have taken away the real meaning of what it is, the real meaning of Christmas, the real meaning. It's about God, our God, our Savior, who came for you and me. But we would rather talk about ethics and morality and the sad state of affairs and for better education, for hopes of the future, for the vast possibilities of an ecumenical movement. We'll talk about everything and anything, but just don't mention Jesus. The one who came to get us out of our mess. The one who came to get you from your weakness and to get you in your rags and rags you find yourself wrapped up in. He came to be God. And so we come to the end of the story. God's surprising sign is a babe wrapped in strips of cloth resting in a feeding trough behind some village inn. And I started thinking, that's not impressive. That is, to me, not likely to become the beginning of a great movement that's going to change the world. I mean, it's a strange way for the Savior of the world to enter. I mean, even the poorest children wouldn't be found in a manger. But there he was, God's appointed sign from heaven. You know, if the world needed education, he would have sent a teacher. If the world needed an army, he would have sent a general. If he needed money, if we needed the money, he would spend a banker. But we needed a savior. So he sent a baby. 
And to that, to the surprise and wonder and ultimate delight of so many, that is the delight of Christmas. God did what we could never do ourselves. And in doing so, he opened up the door of heaven for all of us. And so it's no wonder that the angels burst through that canopy singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Peace to those who have become so distant and so alienated from God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, who believes in him should not perish, but what have what? Eternal life, not eternal death, not eternal separation, but everlasting life. The shepherd said, Let us go and see this thing which has been announced to us. Folks, he took the stench. He took the stench of everyone's iniquity upon himself. And there could be someone in this congregation right this morning who said, I don't know, Pastor Bob, you know, I, I kind of agree all this stuff going on in Christmas, but I don't know, you know, you don't know some of the things I've done. You don't know where I've been. Well, you don't know me, and you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done either. It really doesn't matter. And you may think you'll never be able to walk, walk with him because you're weak. You are. It's all true. But that's the reason why he came. You couldn't get to him, so he came to you. And the only thing he requires of us is that we admit that we need a Savior. And that the Savior has come to us. He comes to us in our weakness. So don't do anything different than the shepherds did. You say, could this really be true? Could this message of, of the cross, could the message of Christ, the message of Christmas, could it be true? Could all the wrongs I've ever done, could, could they all be washed away? Could, could I become a brand new person? Would, would God still wrap himself in my rags of my life, my confusion, my struggle, and all my trials and weakness? Would he be willing to do for that, for me for that? And this is what Paul said. Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he becomes a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. So if, tell you what, folks, if, if Christ is in any man, woman, or child, they become a new creature. We call that being born again. Back in 1962, during a midweek Bible service with my grandmother, I prayed, little guy, Lord, this is true. And I asked him at night, you're both Lord and Savior of my life. I'll tell you something, when I did that, I didn't feel any special feelings. Some people say, you're not saved unless you feel something. I didn't. I was a little guy. But I woke up knowing something was different. Something was changed. Something was different inside. God was wrapping himself around me. Scripture reveals to us, and my experience is simply this, according to the word, when I receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to teach me of his ways. And I'll tell you what, the, one of the evidences that you truly have become a child of the King is you have a desire, a newfound desire to know more about him. To search the Scriptures, to dig in. Not be afraid. Not be afraid. Because he promised that change would occur line by line, step by step, a little at a time. And that there was a promise to have a, a new heart, new mind, and a new spirit. And so this morning the challenge goes out to you. Let God wrap himself in your weakness, in your rags, and in your mess, and take you to the place he longs for you to be, and has always designed, the place he's always designed you to, to live. Amen. It's a miraculous journey. 
you know, I look back over my life and I think, oh God, if others could just know this journey and understand it's true, it's real, it's not a religious trip, it's a relationship with a living God that's expressed through worship. There's no greater decision that anyone can make in our life than make that simple prayer, this simple prayer, personal. And it goes like this, it's just a sample. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me with all my mess and all my struggles and all my weaknesses. Thank you for coming to get me, not leaving me because you love me. Lord, in this day, I open my heart and I ask you to come into my life and be God, my God, my Savior. I believe that you were born and you died to pay the price for the wrong things I have done. You were raised from the dead to show me that as I trust you, you'll give me new life. And I believe this. I believe that heaven will be my home when I die because I, you have cleansed me and you have received me as your very own. And from this day forward, I am a child of God. I belong to God and God belongs to me. Now we need to know this. Help me to walk with you. To fully understand the plan that you have for the rest of my life. I love you. Jesus, thank you for first loving me. Together we will walk through life as a child of God. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. This is important because we can get to the point where we say, I believe that God, I belong to God and God belongs to me. We forget that it's now it's a journey. There's discipleship and changes being made in life that they're not forced upon us. The church isn't going to force it on you. We're not here anyway. But we recognize we need to walk. We want to give us the strength, Lord. When we fall down, you pick us up again. Amen. And I urge you. I urge you this morning and I urge you through this Christmas season to think about this, to come to faith in the babe, to the babe of Bethlehem, the one who would live and who would die for the sins of the world. So I think, who should come? Well, little children should come. Why? Because Jesus himself was a little child. Young women can come because why? Mary was a young woman who God, well, she became God's instrument for bringing Christ into the world. Young men should come because Joseph was a young man who had a great faith in God. Old women can come, for Anna was an old woman too, and she looked for the coming of the Lord. Old men should come, for age Simeon waited for the constellation of Israel. Working men and women, they ought to come to Christ because the shepherds represent all those who work with their hands for a living. They too came to Bethlehem. And finally, the educated, the highly educated of the world should come because wise men came bearing gifts. They bowed down and worshipped the king and they cried out glory to God in the highest. Our Savior has come. And he's coming again because the narrative continues. And I don't want you to miss it this time. Revelations chapter 1 verse 7 says, Look, he is coming with the clouds that every eye will see him. And those who have pierced him and all the peoples of the earth were mourned because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And so my prayer this morning is simply this. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And open heart of faith to declare who you are. Amen. And amen. Praise his holy name. Now normally in service we'll take and have time at the altar, but we're not going to do that this morning. What we're going to do though is I want to end by singing a couple choruses as we would do that. And I want you to think on the things that are spoken this morning. Amen. Because our relationship with Christ is personal. And I want you to make that decision. And if you have made that decision, let me know. And we can talk a little bit. It won't get strange. I'm not going to ask you for more money. Of course, you can always give it if you like, but we're not going to ask you for it. We just simply want to be able to take this miraculous journey together. Amen? And amen. Now, we're going to sing a couple of carols and we'll close down.
And after that, we want you to please join us to have cake yeah. <laughs> on the other side. Amen. And we want to thank also Nancy, Nancy for ready. She took and spent a whole lot of time just setting up and decorating the gymnasium. And so, you know, talk to her. I know she's got a couple. She must have some books someplace around here. And uh, just talk to her a little bit. But if you just stand, we want to cut down with some choruses. I put it on the, on the video here because I know Angela wouldn't be able to get to the piano. So let's sing together. It's time for us to come and to worship. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word. As we can enter into worship, my Lord God, and recognize who you truly are, let our hearts and be transformed and changed as you've called us. And Father, let this day be a good day as we continue not only today but to the next. And we will embrace this miraculous journey of life as you continue to lead us and direct us. And Father, we ask a special touch and a special blessing of all the food we're about to partake of, the cake, Lord, that we're going to enjoy, and the fellowship, Lord, that comes with that. Touch and strengthen all of us, draw us closer together with cords of love cannot be broken. And let this church, Lord, continue to be a stand. Fill this place for those of a desire for your word, not only to hear your word, but to be transformed and changed by it, to be able to experience all that you have for us, each one of us. We love you so very much. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You are dismissed.